0: Hi, everyone. This week on Tiny Tales, we're going to be replaying two episodes. The first, a fan favorite called Caput, followed by one of our personal favorites, Wings of the Mountain. Coming up next week, we will be releasing a special holiday episode with guest voice actors. You won't want to miss it. It's a lot of fun. We'd also like to remind you that Tiny Tales is having another writer's contest. We're looking for stories of 1,000 words or less. The selected story will be turned into an episode of Tiny Tales and included in our Season 3 collection. Go to tinytalespodcast.com and click on Writer's Contest for more details. The deadline is January 1st. And now, please enjoy Kaput and Wings of the Mountain.
1: Ruined. Doomed. Kaput. That was the state of my day after enduring the agony of work, cramming myself like a sardine onto the crowded bus and fighting through driving rain to the grocery store, only to discover that my lifeline, my reason for living, had been whisked away, leaving empty shelves. I stared blankly at the chipped metal, Errant droplets pattering from the hem of my coat onto the dingy tile. I didn't ask much from the universe. The usual, really. Not getting hit by a bus. My apartment not burning down. My hair and teeth not inexplicably falling out. But this? This was a low blow, even for the distant and indifferent cosmos. Excuse me. I flagged down the bleary-eyed teen in a green vest, wheeling a cart of bread down the aisle. He slumped forward to lean on the cart, his head swinging to face me, which I assumed was as close as I was going to get to, ''Can I help you?'' ''Do you have any Oreos?'' He stared past me to the empty shelves. ''We're out.'' ''Could you look in the back?'' ''We're out,'' he repeated resuming his agonizing trudge down the aisle, one of the wheels on the cart wailing with each turn. I shoved aside the other, lesser cookies, hoping for a glimpse of cheery blue and the chocolate delights within. Maybe a packet nestled somewhere out of sight, waiting for me. Not just any Oreos, either, the double stuff. All I wanted was to slouch on the couch with a packet of Oreos on my stomach, Twisting those little discs apart, numbing my mind with some inane TV and pretending nothing else in the world existed. That wasn't too much to ask, was it? The slouching teen reappeared, a blue packet in his hands. Here. My savior, but my hopes crumbled like a stale off-brand cookie as he extended it to me and I tried to keep the disgust from my face, willing the corners of my mouth into a friendly smile instead of a sneer. These weren't Oreos. They were abominations, cream sandwiched between two deceitful yellow wafers. Anyone who thought they were even in the same genus was an idiot. Thanks, I said, taking the packet of little Judases. If they had mouths, I'm sure they'd be laughing at me. When he disappeared around the corner, I shoved them among the multitude of chocolate chip cookies and Swiss rolls. Having no Oreos was better than having yellow Oreos. Chocolate Oreos were soothing, nostalgic, comforting. Yellow Oreos taunted you, made you embrace your own mortality, and tasted bland while doing it. I cast a last glance at the shelves, still refusing to accept they were empty, "'before trudging to the front of the store, "'hoping I could drown my sorrows "'in a few travel-sized packets from the registers. "'Maybe the world knew something I didn't. "'Maybe the apocalypse was upon us. "'What other explanation was there "'for a store in the 21st century "'being completely and utterly out of Oreos? "'Tomorrow the world would end "'and some lucky bastard out there "'at least had a pack of Oreos "'when it all went up in smoke.' If society did hurtle back to the Stone Age, I knew who I was hunting down first. My search by the registers, accompanied by the relentless beeping of scanned purchases like an erratic EKG, was just as fruitless. A cart rattled by, limping on a stuck wheel, and a blue packet perched on top of the pile of lunch meat and chips and broccoli blazed out like a beacon. Milk's favorite cookie. Forget milk. They were my favorite cookie. Milk could get its own. Excuse me, where did you find those? This was what I was reduced to. Scavenging from carts like someone bumming for cigarettes. If I wasn't careful, someone might think I had a problem. Like I was standing there scratching at myself and looking for my next hit. But I did have a problem, damn it. 45 little cream-filled problems. "'The candy aisle,' she said, "'nodding down the row of nondescript aisles toward the one I had just emerged from. "'I stared sadly at the passive blue packet. "'I could grab them and run, fly out the door, "'my raincoat streaming out behind me like a cape "'while all the bleary-eyed attendants stared after me, "'murmuring to themselves, "'Who was that?' "'But no, I only stood there, at least no longer dripping.' "'as the cart slowly rolled away with a rumble "'as its lame front wheel shuddered, "'leaving straggled black streaks across the dingy tile. "'From the sheer volume in her cart, "'I guessed she was a mother "'just trying to feed her ravenous children. "'Those Oreos were destined for school lunches "'and grubby little hands, "'not my pajama-covered tummy. "'I stood forlornly at the end of a closed register.' watching my fellow shoppers weave in and out of the aisles, their wet shoes squeaking on the floors. The world wasn't ending. It would turn just as reliably and relentlessly as always, and in time, my distress over a solitary pack of Oreos would be nothing more than a faded memory. Sparks of electricity that vanished into the ether, instead of working their way into the web of experiences that came together to form the strange and arguably questionable organism I called me. In a year's time, it wouldn't matter one bit whether the shelves had been empty or full. It was just another day like so many others, so many other identical, indistinguishable trips to this same store. If anything, this should be a wake-up call, a reminder that the real things in life weren't sold in packs on store shelves— Those things faded into a lost haze of existence. The real things, the real memories were out there, waiting to be taken, waiting for me to go and take them. With a sigh, I trudged toward frozen foods. Maybe they had Oreo ice cream. mountain rose out of the clouds. A silent island adrift on white sea billows, stained crimson and violet by the setting sun. Limbs shaking, weak from exertion, he dragged himself onto the rocky ledge. Jagged black walls surged up to the rugged peak looming over him. For three days he had climbed, driven by desperation, clinging to the bare rock face as desperately as he clung to his last shreds of hope. Now, without wings, he could go no higher. Is anyone here? His voice shuddered against the rock, lost in the whining wind. The mountain stood silent. Please. A flurry of wings beat against the wind. And he turned to see a great bird, cloaked in scarlet feathers, alight on a boulder at the edge of the shelf. Golden talons gripped the rock, and golden eyes peered out over a golden beak. He knelt in the creature's shadow, cast by the setting sun. "'I come to make my plea to you, wings of the mountain.' He fought to keep his shaking voice steady. I have heard that a request may be granted to those with the strength to climb and the courage to ask. He awaited the bird's response but it only turned its head to fix its golden gaze upon him and around them the wind wept against the stones. Please! he cried beating his fist against the passive mountain. The bird clicked its beak And he fell silent many come it rasped seeking power seeking riches peasants beggars kings and lords of men come to make their pleas which are you i have little gold and less power but tell me your price and whatever i have i will give The bird shook its crimson feathers, beating its wings and throwing its head to the sky. Its harsh, barking cry reverberated off the mountainside. What use is gold to a mountain, or the word of men, fleeting as the clouds? Then tell me the cost. There is nothing I would not do. The bird examined him before turning to gaze out over the darkening clouds jump I'll die he protested but the bird gave no response he stood walking to the edge and gazing down to where the wind stirred the clouds frustration overwhelmed him three days he had climbed three days wasted I have scaled the mountain he yelled over the wailing wind I do not have time for riddles or tests. Tell me your price. The bird only stared to the horizon, feathers ruffling beneath the fingers of the wind, and his shoulders sagged in resignation. If I do this, will I be granted my request? The golden gaze turned upon him again. There is no courage in the asking. Only in the taking. Staring into the gathering darkness, he willed himself to leap. It was that he feared, not the fall. But he had only to jump, to force his feet from the rock. Then there would be no turning back. Only the inevitable embrace of the earth. And if this was the price, he couldn't turn back now. Closing his eyes, Clenching his fists, he jumped. Nothingness surrounded him, the wind whistling in his ears. He waited for the jarring end, but when it didn't come, he opened his eyes. He stood in the meadow at the foot of the mountain, the peak lost in the blanket of clouds, The breeze that stirred his hair was only the wind that rushed through the valley and past the tossing trees. His legs gave out, and he fell to his knees, all strength leaving him in his despair. He had failed. The mountain had refused his offering. He pressed his forehead to the earth, ripping at the grass, his wail of anger lost in the wind. The sun disappeared behind the trees, and the shadows lengthened as he lay in the grass, hollow with grief. Pulling himself up, he turned his feet toward the small house at the edge of the meadow. The last light of day faded as he passed through the low door. Inside, his wife sat in the shadow of the dying fire, her head bent, weeping, The cascade of her hair hiding the small bundle in her arms, and his heart crumbled within him. He knelt next to her. I'm sorry, he choked, hands shaking. I tried. When she lifted her face, he saw that she wept not from grief, but with joy. With relief after long suffering and the passing of a shadow after lingering in darkness. In her arms, the tiny face, once flushed and mottled, was clear and the dulled eyes bright. Her sob choked with laughter as a tiny hand reached up to her chin. He sagged to the floor. The mountain had heard his plea. He tried to wipe the tears from her cheeks But his hand passed through her as through a fog And when he called her name She paid no more attention to him than the rustling of the trees At the flutter of wings he turned to see the bird perched on the foot of the bed Its crimson form immense in the low room Is this death then? The bird cocked its head the pupil black in its unblinking golden eye. Does it feel like death? He remembered the darkness that had come over him at the foot of the mountain, when all hope had vanished and he tumbled into the blackness of despair. No, he said, cheeks wet with tears. He kissed their foreheads as best he could, before passing back into the shadows of night. As he walked to the mountain, the great bird wheeled above him, glinting crimson in the moonlight, and behind him, upon the windowsill, lay a single crimson feather.
0: Today's episode of Tiny Tales was written and narrated by R.E. Rule. Music and production by Frank Narott. If you enjoy our show, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Join us on Patreon for as little as $1 per month to gain exclusive access to the Tiny Tales soundtracks. Visit us at tinytalespodcast.com for details. Thanks for listening.